This is Chris McGregor. The work of Discerning Hearts could not continue without your prayers and support. Between now and Easter Sunday, please consider in your almsgiving a tax-deductible gift to our ministry. Click Donate at either DiscerningHearts.com or inside the Discerning Hearts free app. Your generous support will allow us to continue our podcast for those on the spiritual journey. Thank you and God bless from all of us at Discerning Hearts. DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Missionary Benedictines of Christ the King Priory, presents The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world with Father Mauritius Vildi. Father Mauritius did his philosophical, theological, and doctoral studies in Rome. He is the author of numerous books, including I Want to Understand You, Encountering Foreign Worlds with a Little Prince, The New Image of God's Image, Meister Eckhart on Image and Theology, Peter and Paul, Models of Decision-Making, and On the Way, Benedict's Journey for Spiritual Maturity. Father Mauritius also serves as the prior of Sant'Anselmo in Rome. The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world, with Father Mauritius Vildi. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Mauritius, thank you for joining me once again. Thank you for having me once again. We are going to have, uh, I, I think, a wonderful series of conversations on a subject that may surprise some, but by the time we're done, I think it's going to enthrall them. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the little prince. Right. The Little Prince, a beautiful novella written by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. He was a Frenchman, a writer, a poet. Uh, He came from an aristocratic family, and he was an aviator, so he was a pilot. Very interesting man. He was born in 1900 and died in 1944, very young. And he wrote many books and stories, but The Little Prince is one of his most famous ones. The Little Prince was translated or is translated into over 250 languages and has got 140 million copies every year. Two million copies are sold every year. So there is something to this story. There is something that is intriguing people all over the world. Let me tell you how I came across The Little Prince. It's actually many years ago when I worked as teacher in our boarding school in Germany, in our monastery. I was responsible for 20 boys, age 10 through 12. So I lived with them, I um, taught them, and one of my duties was to um, accompany them in the evening and to make sure that they really are in their beds and keep quiet finally and sleep. So I came up with the idea to uh, read a bedtime story to them every evening. So that was kind of calming them down. You know, these little ones, they are so energetic. 
you need something that's very whom do I, whom, whom am I telling this you are a mother so you know I totally understand <laughs> anyway so I started to read to them uh, from the little prince and it was so beautiful because I realized they understand this novella this modern tale and they asked questions and we tried together to find answers and so I grew more and more into this story and from there I started writing it down and finally a book was published and so since then the little prince has been really dear to me people may wonder is this a catholic topic <laughs> actually Antoine de Saint-Exupéry was a catholic he was born and raised catholic i'm not sure I, i don't think that he practiced very much um but there are many how can i say that traces of christian and catholic faith that you can find in the little prince i would not try to kind of um import them into this tale this is not necessary you know we don't have to look necessarily for what is really catholic in this in this uh, novella there is a lot there is a lot and and then will i will be i will point to this if i could father mauritius i mean you bring up a good point about literature in general especially great literature the great works not always written by those who we would see as maybe overtly religious or people of faith and yet somehow in this writing this expression of art because that's indeed it's it's a a written art the beauty in it and the lesson the virtue has its origins in god doesn't it i mean he, that's that's part of his nature and aspect of god isn't it um, i I absolutely agree when so many people feel touched by a piece of art if it is literature or painting or piece of music this must have something to do with god it just must have and part of it is the beauty another part of it is the wisdom it captures something that resonates deeply with the human heart and in this way it resonates also with with god's heart the navite the purity the love the gentleness of the little prince the compassion the tenderness the wonder the awe the awe some people say that reminds them of jesus this purity with which he encounters the world and the people and even if you think about that the little prince flew from his planet and finally landed on the earth and then at the end of the story died and supposedly went back to his planet even if you see this flow of the story you could think you could think about that the little prince has a little bit of the savior who brings truth and new life to the world but again i'm sure that saint exupery didn't purposely 
write this story in this way. It rather being a Catholic and having had all this education, he probably was reading the world on on this uh, kind of um, in this way. So I, I agree that um, beauty and wisdom in itself are images of God and are an echo of, of God's beauty and God's wisdom. I want to try to make this novella a little bit more understandable. At uh, one place, Sontag Superi says, the adults or the grown-ups, this is how he calls it, the grown-ups, they always need explanations. Explanations. You have to explain them. They want to understand. This is actually not so much the little prince's favor. He, he doesn't want to... He says this is something for grown-ups to understand and to explain. So he more encounters people in an intuitive way, in an immediate way. But anyway, because I guess most of our listeners are grown-ups, I think it would be nice also to, get, to offer some explanation to this novella. So this is what I'm trying to do. Although I must say the best thing to digest this novella and to really to, to get it taste first and then digest it would be just to read it or just to listen to it. And it speaks, like every piece of art or good and great literature, it speaks to you immediately. Actually, you don't need much interpretation. So in this regard, I could just read <laughs> the whole book to you, which I don't want to do at this point, but I want to uh, give you uh, some examples and read passages of it and then try to, to make it a little bit more understandable for us. We'll return in just a moment to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual guide for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildi. Glorious St. Benedict, sublime model of virtue, pure vessel of God's grace, behold me humbly kneeling at your feet. I implore you in your loving kindness to pray for me before the throne of God. To you I have recourse in the dangers that daily surround me. Shield me against my selfishness and my indifference to God and to my neighbor. Inspire me to imitate you in all things. May your blessing be with me always, so that I may see and serve Christ in others and work for his kingdom. Graciously obtain for me from God those favors and graces which I need so much in the trials, miseries, and afflictions of life. Your heart was always full of love, compassion, and mercy toward those who were afflicted or troubled in any way. You never dismissed without consolation and assistance anyone who had recourse to you. I therefore invoke your powerful intercession, confident in the hope that you will hear my prayers and obtain for me the special grace and favor I earnestly implore. Help me, great Saint Benedict, to live and die as a faithful child of God, to run in the sweetness of His loving will, and to attain the eternal happiness of heaven. Amen. 
Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. If you have been blessed in some way by the spiritual nourishment and teachings offered freely by all those involved with Discerning Hearts programs, please consider a positive review for the various programs on the iTunes and Google Play stores. This is a great way to help the ministry and is an encouragement to others who are seeking the best in spiritual formation to find and check out the programs. Won't you please help? It's an easy way to help give back and to be a part of the mission. Thank you and God bless from all at Discerning Hearts. We now return to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual guide for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildi. Part of the value of having a guide is a guide aids us in helping to see those things that, how can I put it, those aha moments. I knew that, but I didn't know I knew that. Mm -hmm. Or I'm seeing that, but I, oh, I didn't realize because our eyes and our ears, and maybe it's our hearts, Father Mauritius, they have not been trained is not the right word. Our culture is changing so dramatically and so quickly. Do we even sit with a work of literature that has had words chosen very carefully to express the meaning? Do we do we even hear those anymore because we have so much that fly by us? Mm-hmm. So to be able to sit with something that is such a treasure mm-hmm. that we find in our attic and to go through those treasures mm-hmm. slowly, it can be a real gift for us, can it? Mm-hmm. I think so too. The first um, approach I want to offer to this novella is the Sontic Superis approach to see every human being not only as a person but to see it as a whole world. What do I mean by this? It, it's really funny. The, the little prince lives on a, on a very little asteroid and at some point this little asteroid is too small so he leaves it. And then he starts a journey going from one planet to another, and he encounters people on those planets. And finally, on the seventh day, here you can already see the Jewish and the Christian connection, on the seventh day, his last stop, if you wish, on his journey is planet Earth. But I find it significant that Saint-Exupéry portrays all these figures that the little prince encounters sitting on a planet. So there is the king, the businessman, the lamplighter, the geographer, 
each of them sit on their own planet. I think what Anthony Saint-Exupéry wants to bring across is this is true for every person and human being. In a way, we don't inhabit the same world. Each of us is an entire world. Each of us is not just a part of this world, like a continent, but an entire world in itself which contains everything that the world needs to have in a very unique way. I want to give you examples to, to um, clarify this. For example, time. The planets have different sizes. So there are very tiny planets in this story and others are a little bit bigger. But because of these different sizes, the span of time between sunrise and sunset is different. The duration of the time is different. The planet of the lamplighter is so small that every other minute, every other minute, a new day begins. So he has a different sense for what a day is or a minute is than, for example, the king or the businessman because of the size of his planet. What we can learn here is that we not only live in different time zones, more importantly, each of us has his own time that you cannot measure with your clock. For example, different generations. When I meet with elderly and old people, I realize that they are moving slower. They are thinking slower, they are moving slower, they are speaking slower. Not all of them, but many of them. And the older they get, the slower they become. So when I invade into their world with my pace, you know, as a middle-aged guy, sometimes it's overwhelming for them. They, they cannot grasp it. Please, go, go slow, go slow. They have a different time. So we shouldn't judge them for, oh, they are so slow, they're kind of behind. Physically, they just don't get it anymore. No, they have a different time. It's not a worse time. It's probably not a better time. It's just different. The same with young people and middle-aged people, for example. These are all examples only. When, when I see young people using their smartphones and their computers, I really feel old. Why? Because I'm not as fast. Is it better not to be so fast? I don't know. It's just different. So I had a teacher in Latin back 
back in my school years, I sometimes I thought this teacher lives in the Middle Ages. He was just different. He he was so much in, in the Latin language and in history and the way how he dressed and everything was just a little bit not in the 20th or 21st century. Is this a bad thing? I don't know. It's just different. This is what we can learn from this figures sitting on the planets in the journey of the little prince that each of us sits on a different planet and what is in between the planets? Nothing. Nothing. There's a gap. There's an abyss. In a way there is no bridge. Now that sounds maybe a little bit scary and a little bit kind of sad. And it is sad. Actually the whole little prince story is Kind of sad. I think Saint-Exupéry was a very melancholic man. One could, one could imagine that his death was at least partly self-inflicted because his friends, as you know, he, he uh, crashed with his plane in the Mediterranean Sea. Probably his plane was never found. But he was already wounded through uh, some battles. He, he worked as a, as a pilot. That his friends and all his uh, co colleagues told him, don't use this plane, you won't be able to fly it. It's too dangerous for you. And he had pain all the time, so he was actually not fit to fly this plane. And um, Actually, he wrote The Little Prince pretty sh uh, just shortly before he died. And even the, the death of the little prince, the little prince, he was seeking the, um, the snake, and the snake was, was giving him the poison, and the poison would kind of enable the little prince finally to get back, to die on earth, and then to get back on his planet. So I, here you can see it's melancholic at least. And, and this certainly has to do with the fact that Saint Exupéry sees so clearly that at the end of the day, each of us is very much alone. How could we really bridge the gap between us? How could we? Let me share with you another example that shows, or that shows that all of us, if you wish, are on different planets. The issue is language. Each of us has a different language. And not, I'm not talking about English and Spanish. I'm not even talking about different accents in English. I'm more talking about that even different people, although they kind of seemingly speak the same language, still speak different languages. How can this be? You could again mention the generations. Young people use, use different words, different expressions, have different idioms than middle-aged or older folks. <laughs> when I first came to, to this country, um, I did a sabbatical 
at a Jesuit school of theology. And so I was together with many young people and students. And <laughs> what I, what I um, noticed was they use very often the expression kind of, it's like, it is like. You hear this very, very often. Meanwhile, I'm using it too. It's a good, it's a good thing. But it's an expression of they don't want to define things so precisely. They don't want to say it is this. They want to say it's like this. So kind of they want to keep the thing a little bit open, which would give them more chances afterwards to move on. And I haven't heard this so much from the from older folks. The older folks seem to be more secure what they say. This is just it is this. You know, it's not like this and kind of this. It's like, it's like, it's like. <laughs> um, what is better? I don't know. There is no better. It's just different. It's a different way to express themselves. And that's okay. Could, and, mm-hmm. could we say also say, I mean, mm-hmm. even through its use in modern uh, music mm-hmm. uh, genres, I'm thinking in particular of rap music, that mm-hmm. even that has changed generationally to a point where it expresses a culture's experience, mm-hmm. and yet from what a culture, even within the same country, I'm speaking here in the United States, if we, if that is something that seems foreign to us, we could misunderstand what the expression is, and unfortunately, it causes even greater division because mm-hmm. we're not mm-hmm. communing, we're not communicating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that seem too elementary of an, a way of describing that? I would, I would see it the very same way. The little prince says at a certain point, language is the source of misunderstanding. It's a little bit shocking because normally you would say language is actually the bridge. Language makes you understand. And if people don't speak and talk anymore, then how could you understand the people? This is still true. But we have to know that language not only bridges the gap between us, it also can widen the gap. Because... Things have different meanings in different worlds. Let me say another example from The Little Prince. There are the stars, planets, stars, and each of those figures sitting on those planets have different definitions of what a star is. For example, the businessman, he's counting the stars. And if I may, I would like to give you now a little little taste of, of Sontag-Supery's language and um, the way how the businessman looks at stars. What do you do with 500 million stars? The little prince asks. 501,622,731. I'm a serious person. And I'm accurate. And what do you do with those stars? What do I do with them? Yes. Nothing. I own them. You own the stars? 
Yes. But I have already seen a king who kings don't own. They reign over. It's quite different. And what, what good does owning the stars do you? It does me the good of being rich. And what good does it do you to be rich? It lets me buy other stars if somebody discovers them. So here you have a little example. The stars for the businessmen are things that he can own. You see, it's really a caricature. It's, it's really kind of very... Mm, can I, how can I put this? <laughs> it's kind of strange how saint Exupery describes a businessman or a manager, but he wants to make sure that in the world of the businessman, everything becomes the meaning, even the stars, of, oh, I could buy them, and then I could own them, then I'm rich, and then I could buy more and own more. This is kind of the world of the businessman, which is okay, which is okay. But it's totally different from what a star means, for example. The little princess People have stars, but they aren't the same. For travelers, the stars are guides. For other people, they are nothing but tiny lights. And for still others, for scholars, they are problems. For my businessmen, they were gold. So what Saint-Exupéry is saying here is just the word star doesn't really tell you what people mean when they are saying this word. So the misunderstanding in our communication comes only from the fact that we associate different meanings with the very same words. This is why language can be the source of misunderstandings. We are using a word and you think, I know this word, I know what it means. No, you don't know. Only if you understand the person who speaks this word, if you enter his world, his planet, and start to understand what the meaning of this word is in his world, then you have understood his word. We'll continue our conversation about Antoine de saint de Sopery's The Little Prince in our next episode. You've been listening to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildi. To hear and or to download this program, along with hundreds of other spiritual programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com. This has been a production of DiscerningHearts.com. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope, if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to support our efforts. But most of all, we ask that you tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, A Spiritual Path for Today's World with Father Mauritius Fildi.